Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Whether you are new to real estate investing or you're a seasoned investor, it's likely that you've heard the predictions of a looming housing crash. In this episode, Brett and Aaron discuss the likelihood of a housing crash, and they present some other factors that other industry experts have potentially overlooked. Housing crash. Number one, Richard said expert. There is no housing a real estate expert. In order to be an expert, you've got to be able to tell me tomorrow what's going to happen. Just like a doctor who's an expert heart surgeon can tell me the symptoms, the problem, and how to correct it. So experts are doing the same thing we do. They're giving their opinion based on what they see in the market. While I hear people talk about a crash, yes, I've said many times, this time next year, we're going to see a dip. We're going to see a slowdown, maybe 5 8 10%. But these guys that are running around talking about a 2008 all over again, where the housing market is going to just collapse and you'll be able to buy houses for pennies and a dollar and people will be homeless. And we're not heading that direction. And that's what I, I get a little aggravated when I hear these so-called experts talk about the crash because what they're doing is they're actually taking people that would be investing today and people that should be investing today and causing them to doubt and to sit and to wait. And then what ends up happening is that it doesn't happen and you're now paying more for a property than you could have this year. So here's my theory. Come January, we're still going to be rocking and rolling. I think things will have leveled off, cooled off, Maybe can get some stuff a little under market. It'll be more of a buyer's market. As we get into April, it's going to pick back up again, and it's going to kick right into insanity, where we're buying stuff at eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars over asking. So, if you're going to be an investor, do your investing between October and April first. Buy then, and then as soon as the summer craziness hits. Take whatever cash you got left, put it in a bank, and sit and wait. Just take your time and take it easy, because. As we get through next summer and a lot of these current policies begin to take place and inflation hits that record high and and ends up creating a a small recession and we start getting into uh, harder times and companies start downsizing and people are losing their jobs. Yes, we're going to have a housing issue, but it's not going to be a crash. It's going to be a correction. It's going to be getting us back to the days of sanity of 2017 and 2018 when a house sat on the market for a week before you had offers on it and you didn't pay way over asking. So my opinion is there is no crash coming. There's a correction coming and that's going to be this time next year. And if you're long-term hold investors, who cares? You lose 5%, you lose 10%, next year you gain 15. Who cares about the correction? We are not headed for a crash. Now, I didn't see COVID coming. Nor did I see Joe Biden getting elected, so I could be wrong. (laughs) That's good. That's good. You know, Brett, obviously, you and I have read 
several articles yeah. that oppose the notion of a housing crash. You know, so so for our listeners, we're not just shooting from the hip here. Like we read, we read every day. Right. You know, articles from I've, I've talked earlier about. I gosh, I'm going to have to look this up and verify this. It's either Housing Wire or HomeWire.com. Right. I like them a lot. I like Market Watch. Well, there's a lot of good articles you can read, and if you read into the information they're giving you. You don't have to be a real estate genius to realize we're not headed for some Niagara Falls type of real estate crash. Right. We're heading for, uh, you know, a little bit of a rapids that we haven't seen in a while. And it's going to be a little bumpy and there's going to be a little dip in the market here and things will, and I, places like California are going to get crushed. California, they will see a housing crisis like they haven't seen since 2008 because they're, they're bubble. Nashville is headed for a housing crisis. It's, if you look at the places where homes are selling for two, three, four hundred dollars a square foot, there's where your housing crisis are going to happen because those homes are way overinflated. People are way over mortgaged. And when the economy begins to dip and the value drops, the first people to sell are those folks because they get scared. Yeah, let me let me give a quick statistic on that. Um, so this is uh, some information I got last week, late last week, um, that uh, wages and salaries of all civilian workers, which are defined as workers in the private sector, along with workers for state and local governments, but not federal workers. All right. So that was a lot of words. But the point that I'm making is those wages increased 3.2% on a year-over-year basis since June of last year. Inflation, as measured by the CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index, was up 5.4% over the same 12-month period. There's a couple of other statistics that we could talk about. And that gap's only going to widen. That's exactly right. right? Um, And as that gap widens, people become less able to pay and, and let me, I'm going to clarify it's, my statement. It is a matter of affordability. Correct. Let me clarify my statement. I wasn't saying that rich people are going to be in financial crisis. Sure. All right. What I'm talking about is you take a, a state like California and take Nashville. You can take a home out of Raleigh that you paid $80,000 for, drop it right outside of LA and California, and that house, it costs you $350,000. Or now, more. <laughs> That same person buying that house, and the only reason why I say that is I have a lot of investors that come from California, and they show up, and they're not wealthy people. They live in a little three-bedroom, one-bath in California, and they happen to sell one of their homes for half a million dollars and then come here and invest it. They're not rich. They live paycheck to paycheck, but they realize I can get rid of this $500,000 home and go buy five, six rental properties in Memphis and make three or four grand a month. I guess my point I'm getting back to, I need to get back to it, is that California, the affordability issue of, of, the, of the average person, as soon as the market changes and unemployment goes up, inflation goes up, that's who's going to get hit. The, all these policies that are in place are not for let's tax the rich. It's basically going to hurt the guy that gets up and goes to work and works 10-hour days, six days a week and lives in a little 3-1 out you know, somewhere in California or out on the outskirts of Nashville. You know, right now you go buy a three one over there and it's two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. Right. You know, there are some other factors uh, that are here that are going to play a part in um, the localized housing correction. So I think that's what we both agree on. They're going to be localized housing value corrections. And Memphis won't be hit as hard. Nearly as hard. And so here's here's a cool distinction. One is Southern California is I mean, California is the world's seventh or eighth largest economy as compared to world governments. We're talking about, you know what I'm saying? So um, 
we know for at least we hear and i think statistics prove that there is a mass exodus out of southern california okay they're moving to texas oregon all the western states tennessee tennessee we've had quite a few show up here we have and please come you know (laughs) i mean we we encourage and please raise the uh intelligence quotient of our state we love working with californians we we love your vision so but the point that i'm making is this the localized correction is going to be on changes Mm -hmm. specific to that region right and that geographic location they're going to have a governor change here very soon don't know where that's headed. Um, they may have a change in their labor market, right? They may have a change in, in, in the jobs that are being hosted there. One of the things that I hear from Southern Californians more than any other population is this. Well, thanks to COVID, I can work from anywhere. So there have been a ton of people up until COVID, up until the Zoom the Zoom boom, mm-hmm. right? And the, the remote meeting boom and all that stuff who were required to live in Southern California. That's changing. And that effect is going to have a long-term effect on the value of California sure. housing. And we haven't even seen the beginning of that yet. So um, the cool thing about Memphis, though, just to bring it back here locally, is that Memphis is full of people who are in the service industry. In other words, I make my money serving people that live in my same city, Right. And they make their money serving me. Yeah. And so we have a community of people who drive work trucks every day and, you know, b- b- offer online services and, and, and all of these things. And so Memphis actually has quite a robust service economy. Sure. That's what's going to keep us going. And those those needs and those services aren't going to change because of a massive change in the economy. Right. I still need to go to the dry cleaner. I still need to go to the grocery store. I still need my plumber to come out and repair my, you know, whatever. So we love Memphis. That's one of the reasons why Brett is still here. Listener, please understand, Brett could work anywhere in the United States and make money, but there's a great opportunity here in Memphis for him to do what he does very well, which is to connect investors uh, with property that they can say, I'm so glad I purchased that in 5, 10, 15 years when they consider what they're going to do next with it. Um, it's a very, very vibrant marketplace. And I've, I've been in real estate in quite a few areas. Um predominantly in Louisiana where I did development and buying and selling. And uh, it is one of the unique things about Memphis, which is why I've been here as long as I have after I moved up, was because of the uniqueness of the market. And yeah, I could go anywhere and make money. I could go anywhere and develop a subdivision. Um, But I tell myself and other people all the time, I I get asked all the time, are you ever going to move back home? I'm like, man, probably not. Uh, If I decide to, I can't right now because Memphis is where it's at. I mean, the ability I have here and the amount of volume and work that I have here due to the makeup and the economy of Memphis and it's it's people the people that live here is unmatched anywhere else I haven't I haven't seen that kind of opportunity anywhere else so I've you know, I've, I've built my business here. Yeah. To quote one of our favorite investors uh, who's been with us for five or six years, who at one point had 33 properties just liquidated 13 in order to offset the cost of another investment mm-hmm. where he lives. Um, and then he's telling us that in 2022, he's coming back to start investing again in, in his words. And I love this guy. He said the reason that he bought in Memphis had nothing to do with you or me. It had everything to do with the statistics. 
Sure. And he said the opportunity, especially back in 14, right, for him to get in with cash by either in 50% or 100% cash or on his commercial line of, of credit that we got for him uh, to be able to just acquire, acquire, acquire real estate mm-hmm. was unpa- unmatched by any other city in America. And he measured us against places like Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of others. Little Rock, uh, Arkansas was big for a while. That was, it was. And now it's Nashville. On, I get a lot of questions about Nashville. It's uh, Little Rock is on one of Yahoo's top 10 lists. Yeah. for housing correction. Mm-hmm. So go back to full circle, back to our question of a housing bust, right? Basically, right. we don't see it. Listeners, we don't we don't see it. We don't see it in the rental market. Well, but we have I think we have to differentiate owner occupancy versus investment, okay? The 2008 was an oddity. It'll probably never happen again as as it did. It will get close, but it, it'll probably never happen like that again. But in Memphis, when you have, I think the latest stat I looked at was 48, almost 49% of every resident inside the city limits of Memphis rents, doesn't own. Yeah. The latest statistic. Um, when you have that kind of a renter base, the rental market's going to boom. It's going to continue to boom because there's always renters looking to rent a house. I've always got an investor wanting to buy a house or an investor trying to sell a house. So that's a constant. What happens in the investment market is people get too tied up in market value instead of rent comps. The only way the housing market on the rental side is going to take a collapse is if we have a massive recession and FedEx has to lay off 5,000 people and Nike and Amazon, they're all starting layoff distribution people. Yeah, now we're going to have a, a, a crisis. But as long as those companies stay whole and functioning, the owner-occupant market may have a shift, may have a uh, not a collapse, but a correction. But the rental market's going to stay steady, as it did in, in you know through the, through the collapse in 2008. The average state saw anywhere from 20 to 45% loss in property value. I think at its peak, Memphis is only, I think the highest point it hit was 16 or 17. If we're talking it's about like the an, lowest in the nation. An annual loss? Like the highest The annual. value loss of, of real estate that caused this collapse of the market. I think over the entire, uh, uh, over the entire, let's say, the, from the top to the bottom, okay? Right. So that would be from early 07, Oh eight and to about twelve to to yeah to about twelve. I, I think that we saw maybe we we saw a loss commensurate with the rest of the nation, but it was on the lightest side of it. Correct. So yeah, I think sixteen percent is about is about the maximum that we lost over the course of how many years is that four? Yeah. Now, That's tremendous. The 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 reason behind that, I believe, is that the renter base is so massive here that investment real estate kept. The housing economy in Memphis from completely going over Niagara Falls, as it did in California and uh, Texas and a bunch of states, it got really hit really hard. Tennessee got hit really hard, but Memphis as a city did not, even Shelby County, did not see that massive crush. So what do you attribute that to? I attribute it to the fact that there's so many people that rent here that the the rental market stayed hot, stayed solid. Values dropped. Guys got better deals on properties. But those properties recovered quickly. Why? Because they're cash flow properties. The the market value was immaterial at that point. Well, okay. So one of these days, we're going to have to get into what inspires investors to invest. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cash. Cash flow. Right now. 
Mm-hmm. Right now, that's true, but we're in an atypical marketplace. Used to, uh, t- 2008, it was equity. I could buy this for sure. 100000 It was worth 200 Absolutely. last year. It's going to be worth 200 again. Yeah, right. equity. We have a, you have an investor I work for that you know that did, did that. They made a ton of money yeah. buying up properties pennies on a dollar. We had one, in fact, if the listener wants to go back, I, I forget which episode it is, uh, seven, eight, or nine, Joe Veramontes. Mm-hmm. We talked about him. Controversial fellow. Yeah. Love him, right? Yeah, yeah. Made some decisions. Great guy. He bought all of his properties on equity between, like you said, 2000 and 2005, I think is when he stopped. Because in 06, and this is why people liken this, ugh, this is why people say, oh, we're headed towards another housing crisis. Look, I'm not trying to make fun of you. But the point is, they say that what where we are right now is similar to where we were in 06, right? Gas prices are going up, housing prices are at an all-time high. The difference is what's the major difference with housing prices? We did prices? not lend the money to every person that had a pulse to buy a $300,000 house on a stated income loan. So that's a government <laughs> yeah, that that was a federally mandated requirement. Sure. Okay, so we have federally mandated requirements over here. Guess who picked up on that? It was the banks. If you look back at the interest rates in 06. They were giving money away. Well, but there were six percent. Mm-hmm. You know, there were six percent. And then there were these weird variable rate loans where people well, would pay interest only at you know, eight eight percent, eight and a half percent. We're not seeing that right now. The pin in that grenade that finally pulled was in uh two thousand and five or six when they expanded the federal loan guarantee program and the it all started back with the community reinvestment act and then all of a sudden i forget the senator's name but he was on the the banking senate senate banking dodd or todd one of those clowns he was dodd anyway they were threatening banks because they weren't lending enough money to minorities right so what did bank of america do and Citibank? well i mean the government's going to guarantee it so Right. Guess what? Here's a new non, non-stated, no-income loan. You just say I make a state income loan. I make ten grand a month. Great. Here's a three hundred thousand dollars mortgage to go buy your house. So you took people with no financial skills, no money management skills. You tell them, I can give you a three hundred thousand dollars loan. You can go buy this beautiful five-bedroom house in Cordova and fill it with furniture. The first thing they're gonna do is like, well, hell yeah, okay. Well, the the rate six and a half percent. I don't care. Bank of America doesn't care. Who's backing up the the note? The taxpayers. Yeah. So if that homeowner collapse of, of defaults, and we had many that never paid a mortgage payment, when they default, Bank of America then takes that home, forecloses on it, sells it at auction. Then the U.S. government, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, then write a check to Bank of America to make them whole. And who walks away? Bank of America. Right. Meanwhile, the homeowner lost their house. The taxpayers sucked up the, the loss, and Bank of America walked away whole. And I'm not using Bank of America as an example. Sure. Picking on We're them. not calling them. All out. the banks did that. But the stated income loan, it was that hinge, that was that hinge pin they pulled that caused this domino effect. So the economy started sliding, gas prices up. We started getting into a recession. So what happened? People started getting laid off. Now they couldn't pay their mortgage. And when those people got laid off couldn't pay their mortgage then all of a sudden they began to realize well wait a minute that person we laid off they now can't pay his mortgage probably should have never had a mortgage to begin with for three hundred thousand dollars they only make 30 grand a year 
that was in that was it at that point that snowball had started down the back of that hill and there was no stopping it well then there's two other things that happened uh then that that led to that one is i think the philosophy of home ownership was was that it was cheap and easy right right? like everything you just said it, it it led to the mentality of it's easy to buy a house Right. I mean, and your application says, do you have a pulse? Yes. What's your blood type? A positive. Great. You're approved. So when they lost that house that they couldn't afford, and, and that's the story we heard from everybody. Well, I mean, and because you were in a completely different industry, we won't go there. We've been there. We're going to return there. But, you know, the, the reality is that people said, okay, yeah, I got in over my head. I lost my house. Not a big deal. I'm going to rent for a couple of years and I'll go right back to it. What they didn't realize is what was coming. That tsunami of, you know, changes in the federal government, Mm -hmm. uh, changes in legislation about what a borrower was allowed to borrow, uh, changes in the strength of banks, the closing um, of all of these banks. And the strength of the buyer. Well, but the strength of the buyer was never strong. It wasn't strong in 2006. That's what I'm saying. That We're not going to see that kind of collapse because the strength the requirements for a buyer today are way more they're, they're like they were back in the 80s you really had to have some cash in the bank a good credit score a good job um, you there are some some loans out there that that allow you to get away with a lower down payment through FHA but they're not just giving money away to people that should not be buying a three you know, it, you know you can't afford a $300,000 house if you make thirty grand a year. Um, the bank knows you can't, but the bank still gave you the money. So those days are gone. This crash that they're talking about, this dip, is all it's going to be. We're not going into that crash. If inflation hits and then we roll into a recession and costs keep going up, yeah, there are people around the country that are going to be laid off work and there's going to be a housing crisis locally. But what you don't realize is in Memphis, this is a distribution city. Nike, Amazon, FedEx, all of these major worldwide distribution centers that are here are going to have to keep operating. So we're not going to see an unemployment issue or a crash here in Memphis. So if you have homes here, don't don't stress. Yeah. So like we t- we touched on this 15 minutes ago, how the labor market is going to be changing in places like Southern California, where they have more of an intellectual property marketplace. Right. They are producing and operating systems, and they can produce and operate the systems anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. They don't have to live in Southern California anymore. Corporations are loosening up. They're actually saying, look, to go back to COVID, we're not going to make you vaccinate but you're not coming into the office building well i mean but (laughs) one thing one thing covid taught most big companies is like you know if if i'm a ceo of a of a company on a 20-story building to house you know five thousand employees and all of a sudden covid hits and i have to scale down and run a skeleton crew and put everybody at home with technology to work from home and we figure out a system to monitor their work performance and and what they're doing on, a, on an hourly basis and we got all that figured out the first thing i would say is this building's gone i right. don't need this building anymore right then the next step of that is for bob <laughs> who's been working from home tell his boss say you know what i'm moving to houston i can work from home all day long I'm just going to move to Houston. I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of California. Sure. So I think California is in for a a rude awakening in the next five to seven years. I think that they're they have no clue what's coming. And what you're going to end up in California is you're going to end up with a bunch of Hollywood elites in their mansions cutting their own grass. Well, <laughs> and, yeah, and and I, I see here. Here's what I see. Okay, I see in Southern California more of a stratification of incomes. Okay, so you know they have there is a, no middle class in California anymore. 
Very, very few spots have a middle class. I could see from a hyperbolic standpoint how you would make that statement. But I, I do like I met with um, an investor Monday of last week that came in and they would be middle class in California. Um, and they, you know, they're considering relocation here because of the cost of living and because of the economic opportunities. In fact, he himself said a week ago, I could work from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. I can work for my California company living here in Memphis. And so they're looking to liquidate their assets there by here, not only their personal home, but also several other investments. And they already own maybe five properties that they bought at between 60 and $80,000, which have now already added between 20 and 30% increased value over the course of the last mm-hmm. 18 months to two years. The point that I'm making is they're, they are definitely middle class. I see a stratification happening in California. I see the state, the, the red aspect the conservative uh, aspect of that state dwindling because they're moving away so when they become removed from the population what's left are people who are much more focused on well how 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 can we better organize the state instead of stay out of my business the constituents of california are going to say how do i join Mm -hmm. the california government in better organizing my direction obviously what we're talking about is highly highly controversial i still think movies are going to be made out of la i think there's going to be an elite class like you're talking about. I think the movie industry is the most popular uh, and, and profitable industry in the world as far as the amount of effort that you put into mm-hmm. it and your return on that investment. So, you know, it, it, I think California is going to be fine. I just think it's going to, to shift in who's making the decisions. As far as Memphis is concerned, just going back to the, you know, for the listener, service-based economy. These are people that get up and probably do something outside of their homes for a living every day. Sure. And we all need that stuff. We all need it. You need it. I need it. And so we don't see there being a housing crash really at all in the country. We also don't see a major housing crash here in Memphis. That to us just seems absurd. The worst crash in in our recent history we mass 16 percent loss over four years right and there are places if you're holding a property if you had bought a property in 2005 lost 16 percent in 2008 by 2012 you'd gained another five to six percent over those 16 you'd already lost so 16 percent loss over the course of four years and what just happened between right. august 20 20 and end of July 2021 we increased values 17%. Right. So that's one year gain would have offset a four year loss. Sure. And Good. that's the key. Yeah. So just make sure that if you're if you're focused on buying real estate, actually if you want to focus on buying in Memphis, go to uh, epmrealestate.com, go down to the bottom, look for me, Brett Bernard, my cell number's on there. You can give me a call anytime or shoot me a text. I'll be glad to talk to you and uh, educate you on the Memphis market. That's a shameless plug from me, just to try to top Aaron's. You know what? You're here, right? (laughs) Like, you're here recording with me. Nobody else is. So, dude, you get the plug. It's all yours. Yeah, if you're interested in the Memphis market, just give us a call. We'll we'll fill you in on... uh, on, on our opinions uh, but yeah don't freak out we're not coming for a crash it's we're gonna have a correction that's all it's gonna be you'll see a dip it'll come back you'll be fine you'll live to see another day so 
Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc. Oh, 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 oh,